0: Welcome back, fellow cinephiles, for this week's episode of All Blocked Up. This week on the program, we got monoliths and we got monkeys. That's right, we're talking about 2001, A Space Odyssey. I'm Kenny May. And I'm Alex Rieger. And we're All Blocked Up. Anyway, welcome back to the program. Oi, this is our, almost, this is our, the last movie we're going to be talking about of Kubrick. yeah. 2001, A Space Odyssey. Oof. Such a hard watch. Boy, like I, I watched this, the first time I watched this was, a, I think, about a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. And I was able to get through it. I was on my phone occasionally. Yeah. I feel like watching this in a theater would be a cool experience because you're in, there's no distractions. That's Any true. amount of distraction and you're completely lost from this movie, That's it does true. nothing to bring you in. At all. It's pretty. Look at
1: some shots. And that's it. <laughs> yeah, that um, man. I we are gonna complain so much this episode. Be prepared. Um, so controversial opinion, hot take coming in. Might be one of his worst movies oh, in my definitely. opinion.
0: Definitely one of his worst movies.
1: He grabs your attention in every other movie and just not let go. But with this one. I couldn't get invested. No, I mean, there's a whole... The first... How long was it? 30 or so minutes of the movie? No dialogue. Nothing. Just monkeys. Just monkeys monking and around.
0: Also, on that note, something happened in either the recording or the editing of that scene mm. because that audio was terrible. Yeah. It was quiet. The levels were weird. And also, it seemed like the... Whatever sound they were using for the monkeys' uh, s- noises was clipping. There seemed to be some digital artifacts there hmm. that should not have been there if that was professionally recorded.
1: Okay. Uh, I didn't notice that during my viewing, but it could have just been... You watched it on... What was it? Tape or DVD? DVD. DVD? yeah. I watched it uh, digitally online. So it could have been maybe something to do with that. I have no clue. Yeah, it, could,
0: it definitely could be. Um,
1: but... Yeah, that's pretty bad. (laughs) Again,
0: overall, this is very clear of Kubrick choosing spectacle over story. Oh, this is the strongest case of that. This movie was 95% spectacle. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, 99% (laughs) spectacle. Let's just throw it up.
0: The story was just... Robot goes mad. We shouldn't trust computers. Well, that was
1: the only good story bit of the whole film, was the house scenes. And everything else, just...
0: I mean, again, it looked beautifully, Mm. beautiful... Kubrick is an artist. This is very, surprisingly, this is experimental film. Mm. It sold as a blockbuster, though, because, I mean, at the time, I'm sure this was breathtaking. Oh, this was absolutely. Groundbreaking. But the amount of effects, the cool little space shot, which mm. looks very much like uh, the Universal logo.
1: I was going to say the exact same thing. I thought the exact same thing while I was watching. I was like, What? I was like, is this a title card coming in? What's happening? <laughs>
0: but no, no, nope. just the start of the movie. Yep. Okay, and was the monolith ever really explained? Oh, absolutely it not.
1: Absolutely it just no.
0: showed up, big pillar of rock, and then all of a sudden, the apes that were nearby mm. started getting smarter.
1: Yep, it started getting smarter. The, the, did they ever explain the effect on the humans on the moon? Because they just kind of heard a ringing, and then it just moved on. It was like, anyway, here's this next story we're going to tell. It's almost a collection of short stories.
0: Yeah. Which, I mean, that works. Yeah. Also, he misuses the term Odyssey.
1: Oh, yeah. An
0: Odyssey is uh, like Joseph Campbell's monomyth. It's the hero's journey, hero with a thousand faces. There's a million movies telling the story of an Odyssey, going back to Homer's Odyssey. Yeah. Starts at a neutral place, Has to goes into home. the adventure world, mm-hmm. and comes back. Yep. There's no coming back in this movie. Well, there's also a, no as destiny. a baby,
1: as a weird space baby. <laughs> there's a coming back,
0: and, and yet another just unresolved piece of information. Yeah, space
1: babies, you know, just throw them in there. They'll understand. Or, Kubrick, what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: Cooper had to be drunk when he was pitching this movie.
1: He was on something.
0: (laughs) I mean, of course, as you had brought up in our first episode, it's opinions of two college students versus one of the most famous directors of all time.
1: Clearly our opinion should level over his, naturally.
0: That is the beauty of podcasting. Anyone can voice their opinion and get it heard by, I don't know, probably like 20 people at this point. We're just starting, it's fine. so were there any sequences that really, like, grabbed your attention?
1: And I feel like any scene with the monolith was strong, honestly. Because, you know, you're like, what the hell is that? You know, it really grabs you. But everything, uh, I mean, some of the shots, when they had the, the spaceship rotating, mm-hmm. which they had on like a rig and the actors that were actually in there just moving along, uh, I felt like that was definitely, that was like, oh my god, could they imagine if they saw Inception back then? <laughs> They would lose their minds, but... Yeah. Um, speaking, speaking
0: of that, that is one of the, I'm sure, was groundbreaking things, mm. was all the different angles that he was recording at. Yeah. And again, like we saw with Clockwork Orange, and somewhat for The Shining. The Shining was relatively null when it comes to uh, scoring. Mm. But with Clockwork Orange especially, and especially 2001, we see this thing of pattern of Kubrick really enjoying matching action to music, yes. So with Clockwork Orange and mm. the opening fight, we see it everywhere in 2001. Yeah. That entire opening sequence, past the monkeys, the actual movie, mm. I feel like the monkeys was just one of those like cartoons before the movie.
1: <laughs> you know what? I, I think it, the monkey scenes are important. I, even though they they don't really add well, much.
0: Yeah, they're they're important in setting up the motif of the monolith, and also. It's showing this is where we started. Yes. The monolith was important in our first spontaneous knowledge. Yes. This is how we became human. It was the first discovery. It was the first frontier, as mm. the joke is made that space is the final <laughs> frontier. Which I, I think it was Terry Pratchett. I've been I'm an avid fan of Terry Pratchett mm. and his Discworld books. And one of those, he makes the joke that space is called the final frontier. That doesn't really work, mm. because for some, there's no such thing as a final frontier, because for there to be a frontier, there has to be something beyond it. It has to be the frontier of something. Yeah. So it kind of, the, the wordplay falls flat, yeah. but only if you think about it. You're not supposed to, it's fine.
1: Um, uh, going back to that monkey scene, I think without that whole, the ape part of the film, I feel like... It really, the rest of the movie, want to be tied together because that ape scene, even though it seems like plot-wise the most disconnected, that I feel like the overall story of the movie is evolution, human evolution. Yeah. So without that monkey scene, you wouldn't really get that because you see where we started, you see where we end is space babies.
0: Honestly, if we cut off, if we started the movie in the jet with the po- with the astronaut mm. and ended the movie. With the con- confrontation between Hal and the astronaut, as that was the climax. Yeah. If we end the movie after that, cut off all references to the monolith and the space baby and the monkeys, <laughs> we have a completely different movie.
1: Oh, yeah. It's like an act- in action disaster movie, almost. Yeah, yeah, which was
0: very big in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah. That's what inspired George Lucas to make Star Wars, mm-hmm. because he was tired of it. So... Very few, honestly, in my opinion, very few positive things can Uh, be said about this.
1: uh, Visuals. 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 Yes,
0: the artistic. Artistic. Because Kubrick's, as we've established, he's an artist. Mm -hmm. He really enjoys painting these beautiful, moving pictures. Yeah. And that's about all there is to this movie. Now, you had said you had done some research into the timeline. Do you remember where two thousand (sighs) one fits?
1: I, bel- I know it was before The Shining, I want to say it was before Clockwork Orange.
0: Uh, that makes sense, because that was, it seems here, like putting it up in that frame of reference, mm. 2001, Clockwork, Shining, the exact opposite of what we've been doing, Yeah. <laughs> it seems like he becomes more structured as you go on. Yes, definitely. definitely. Because The Shining, mm. well... That not it's not very strong narratively. Mm. The narrative is contained. Oh, it's
1: definitely the most like coherent movie out of the three.
0: Whereas you were saying with Clockwork, you yeah. split it up a bit. Oh yeah. So just any other just things that stuck with you or any I, other things you'd want to say before we wrap this up. I
1: think by far the best part of the movie is any any bit with Hal. You know that whole that whole story could have made a movie itself, like you said. So I kind of. Wish they had stuck with that and they just took a different direction a full 180 and just out of nowhere
0: So as always one to five goldfish. What do you give it?
1: I gotta appreciate it because it is a classic, but I I can't in my right consciousness praise this movie So I I gotta give it a three out of five maybe
0: See I'm just because I'm a story guy Mm. and I'm a sound guy and while he did do some pretty work with the action meeting the music I gotta give it a two really I I can't I can't defend this movie (laughs) at all except in the fact that it's pretty to look at Mm -hmm. occasionally that's true it's a movie to have one in the background while you're doing other things because you got pretty music and the occasional thing to catch your eye
1: it's definitely I hate to say it because they're gonna be like oh people who listen to this are gonna be like oh damn millennials but uh it's a good phone movie, if that makes any sense. You look yes. at your phone every few minutes, and you just look up and when something important's going on.
0: Yeah, which, as I said, it was probably much easier to get involved with watching this in the theater mm. with the magic of watching of something in the theater. With the sound around you, there's no distractions. Definitely. You got some food. <laughs> but overall, not a great movie. No. Well, thank you all for joining us this month on our journey through Kubrick's three, probably the three most popular films. Maybe Full Metal Jacket is bigger Mm. than one of these. We don't know. That's debatable. So, next week, I hope you join us for our final wrap-up of Kubrick, discussing him as a filmmaker. Until then, I'm Kenny May.
1: And I've been Alex Rieger.
0: And we're still All Blocked Up.